0: Do you know what time it is? It's time for The Workforce Show, where you will learn the latest news about employment trends, current opportunities, and innovative strategies for managing a career on WERA 96.7 FM.
1: Welcome to Your Future in Tech. I'm your host, Charles Britt. This show provides teens and young adults with an opportunity to hear directly from industry professionals and corporate representatives about emerging technologies and how to launch a successful career in these high demand technology fields. Today, my guest is David Hun, President and CEO of the Skillsource Group in Northern Virginia. Welcome to the show, David. Thank you, Charles. It's my pleasure to be here. Awesome. David is with us today because we're going to be talking about the variety of educational and training pathways which could lead to a career in the tech industry. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about David and his background before we dive into the interview. David, as I mentioned, is the president and CEO of the Skills Group, as well as the executive director of Virginia Career Works of Northern Virginia or Northern Region, a business-led regional workforce initiative representing the counties of Fairfax, Loudoun, and Prince William, as well as the cities of Fairfax, Falls Church, Manassas, and Manassas Park. This workforce region is comprised of over 1.9 million residents and tens of thousands of businesses and is one of the most dynamic and growing regional economies in the United States. So, David... In layman's terms, what is Source and how does your organization connect individuals to career pathways? Sure. Well, we run the public workforce system, Charles, in Northern Virginia in those counties and
2: cities that you highlighted. And we literally have uh, one-stop centers in all three counties, three in Fairfax, uh, two in Prince William, and one in Loudoun County. And we uh, serve as a link between job seekers and employers. We allow people to come together. We help job seekers build their skills and find the right employer and employers to find the right worker. And we serve everybody who's interested in working with us. Our services are free. Uh, We're taxpayer funded primarily through Congress and the federal government, but also through the state government as well. Uh, We see a lot of folks coming through our doors over the course of a year in, as you described, one of the strongest local economies in the nation, but we're on track this year to probably reach up to forty-five thousand visitors coming into our centers. Everyone looking to up upgrade their skills, uh, maybe find a better job to to support their family, but also employers looking for the right uh, looking for the right worker. In this environment today, probably one of the strongest local labor markets in the nation, and um, it's probably one of the strongest uh, local economies that I've seen in my career. We probably have an unemployment rate of just over 2% in this region, which is just really remarkable. So it's really an opportunity for job seekers to find the right place where they want to work and to sell themselves to the employers that they choose.
1: Most definitely. This sounds like the place to be. In some of my previous interviews with uh, my guests, we were talking about the breadth and the number of jobs here in the D.C. region, but particularly in northern Virginia. Um, Of course, as everyone knows, for Northern Virginia was uh, fortunate enough to be able to land the second Amazon headquarters, it's going to be coming to the area. So it's just adding to. Um, the resources as well as the job opportunities are going to be available for folks in our region. And I'm sure with your huge footprint, even though they're going to be based in Arlington, this will have an impact across the entire region and the work that you all do. I think that's what most of the economists are saying, that mm-hmm. uh,
2: clearly the jobs will be in, in, in Crystal City. There could very well be many other spinoff jobs that will be in other parts of the region, but the workers are going to come from everywhere. They'll come from Fairfax. They'll come from the district. They'll come from Maryland, um, mainly because uh, they'll want to be able to work uh, with that company.
1: Now, that's important. And anyone who's looking for a job knows that you've got to have the right skills the right education and what the companies are looking for. In my previous uh, show, talking with uh, the individuals, Nicole Smith from Georgetown University, we talked about how there are the various pathways into the tech career. Today's show, we're gonna talk a little bit about what it takes to get on that pathway. Where can you go to get those skills at education and training? As most of us know, college has been the traditional pathway from K-12 to a professional career for a very long time. When it comes to high demand careers in the tech industry, please talk about the recent shift from college to non-traditional pathways for educating tech workers? Sure. A lot of it will
2: depend on the employer, uh, if it's a government contractor or if it's a commercially-based employer, and the occupations. And through my colleagues at Northern Virginia Community College, they've really highlighted uh, three particular career ladders that are really key, I think, for your listeners. Um, The first would be programming and software development. The second would be networking and cybersecurity. And then the third, of course, would be data warehousing and analysis. So within those three buckets, you could see multiple different jobs um, that would be available to occupations that would then lead to the next opportunity mm-hmm. as someone's career progresses. So I think Think particularly given um, uh, your listeners' interest in entry-level type of workers, uh, focusing on what would be something that could be available with a high school degree plus additional work experience plus additional certifications, and and we see several uh, that would would have um, would have key opportunities. And of course, we would also highly suggest that it's experience plus plus education that really are are the factors that are driving employers now. Before I get into the details, I would say most of your government contractors, because of requirements coming out of the federal government, will require a four-year degree. I mean, I, I think everyone sees that as a as a opportunity but also a challenge. and then following along with that four-year degree is a security clearance, generally or having the ability to to uh, acquire a security clearance. And so we can get into that a bit later yes. in our conversation sure. today.
1: I like the fact that you talked about a lot of the different career pathways and the levels of education that it would take to get to those and also how it relates to specific industries where those jobs will be. So at this point, I'd like for you to talk about one or more training programs or initiatives that exist to sort of fast track individuals into a career in the tech field. Sure. Well, you know, it's funny, you asked about certifications versus a college degree. And part of this
2: is what we're seeing is that certifications are adapting faster to the industry's needs than a four-year or a two-year university can really move as quickly on. I think, and this is, comes back to some of uh, your own experiences, we could look at the um, in the technology industry around cybersecurity and the, the growing types of certifications. What we see in the industry right now for Northern Virginia is a security plus and what's known as a CISSP certification, a Certified Information System Security Professional. Both of those seem to be must-have certifications for a an employer to really look for um, at, for job seekers that are coming in. And it really is important that, that again, uh, the, the future job seeker, as they're uh, looking at opportunities, is that they consider having a a certification. Is it in lieu of a four-year degree, or is it in addition to? And I'm always going to be one encouraging for those that, who can afford and have the time to look at a four-year degree, because I think it will have longer-term uh, ramifications and opportunities. But for those that want to move very quickly into the technology workforce, a short-term certification could be three, six, maybe even nine months Over that time period and then sitting for the certification exam can really be the ticket for many employers uh, in this area, especially given the low unemployment rate and the many opportunities that are out there.
1: Yeah. And I've, I know, as you mentioned, based on my experience, you've seen where there are individuals who will, as you mentioned, have the resources and the funding to be able to go after and have the time, <laughs> which is an important part of getting a four year degree. And once they get to the employer, the employer will actually cover the cost of them getting the certifications mm-hmm. and going back to school to make sure they're certified and keep their skills up versus an individual that may go through a fast track program, such as General Assembly or some of the other coding programs where you're in there for 16 weeks, they, play, they get you certified certified, and then they put you in the employer. And then what happens is the employer will then send you back to college to get your four-year degree. That's happening a lot because it will take, in most cases in organizations, if you want to move up the career ladder, you're going to need that four-year degree. They want that at least to show the competencies to be able to be a good communicator and to be a good leader, they want to know that you've accomplished that. Absolutely. And mm-hmm. potentially a good manager and a yes. supervisor mm-hmm.
2: and then moving up the ranks. Uh, there's a term that we use in my business, the more you learn, the more you'll earn. Huh. <laughs> and, and and I think that's very typical. Even if a, um, a job seeker gains some initial certifications, they need to be prepared to stay current. And whether that's on their own nickel or through their employer, it's key that as technology changes, they're gonna wanna be able to move very quickly, even working on the side or even developing skills after hours to be able to be as competitive as possible.
1: Yeah, and and as you mentioned, the key word in this area is competitive. If in your body we talked about 1.9 million residents, that's a lot of people looking for work, looking for gainful work, Uh, not only gainful work, but high paying wages. Mm -hmm. This is a very expensive area to live in, so it is competitive market. It's great that unemployment is low, but that just means that the employers who do have the jobs are actively seeking people who are ready and qualified to go to work. That's right. Yeah. That's right. But I would also suggest that it means that employers
2: um, can't be too picky. <laughs> that for those that have to yeah. uh, fill positions, and it mm-hmm. might not be your government contractors, mm-hmm. it might be those that have more commercial opportunities, or even f- particularly for entry-level opportunities, where someone can come in at a a customer service representative or as a help desk operator, to be able to be responsive, it's a foot in the door and it really gives someone some experience and it lets the employer
1: see them as a as a future longtime employee. That's very important um, because oftentimes education doesn't always educational skills don't always just come out of the classroom. It comes from that hands-on experience as you mentioned that's important. That's how I got my foot in the door in the tech. I never would have really understood the work that I wanted to do or how what the work that I did not want to do if it weren't for those internships that I had early on to get that hands-on experience. Mm -hmm. And and as you mentioned, it pays. It really does. So would you mind talking maybe just uh, briefly about what are the pros and cons associated with both pathways? If one student or individual wants to go the college route versus a certification, do you see there being some pros and cons that they can contrast? Well, um, let's think of the pros.
2: I'm an optimist by nature (laughs) and uh, I would always want to stay on if we wanted to look at the conventional pathway of uh, getting a degree... Finishing up high school, mm-hmm. moving into either a four-year university or even going two plus two, mm-hmm. two years at the community college and then two years at a four-year point. four-year degree. I think that could be a very economical way to go if mm-hmm. you are able to um, – factor in uh, the the cost savings uh, at a a community college level. Um, During those four years, uh, the student will have opportunities to gain work experience, internships, maybe even volunteer opportunities that allows them to get that hands-on experience that you just addressed. And also, they're starting to build a network Uh, within their peers, and then within potentially other employers for future opportunities. And I go back to the way our labor market looks now. Many employers still prefer a bachelor's degree, especially for uh, upper-level positions. Now, um, the pros for a short-term certification, though, are that it takes much less time, and it's much less costly, Uh, You can specialize in a particular area of technology that you have an interest in, or you see opportunities there. And I go back to what I said earlier, programming and software development, networking and cybersecurity, data warehousing and analysis. There are specific technology certifications that are industry recognized that would be appropriate for all three of those types of, um, uh, occupational opportunities. So, um, In many cases, many employers would prefer to have someone with a certification rather than a four-year degree because it implies competency, that you have sat for a test and you have passed a test that employers value uh, in the marketplace today.
1: And that's important because, again, if you're going to be making the salaries <laughs> that some of these jobs pay, they want to make sure that you actually know the work you're doing. And it's, and it's interesting because i have having conversations with co-workers and other. The technology is changing so rapidly. So you have to be, as you mentioned, a lifelong learner. So they want to know that you're actually good at getting in, learning something, being tested on it, because you will see it when you get to the workplace. And being someone who can pick up that material quick will keep you very competitive in the workforce.
2: I think you've hit something that I would always tell anyone who's listening is that don't expect that you're going to be an expert on anything Mm -hmm. as soon as you finish your certification or Mm -hmm. even if you finish your four-year degree. You need to be able to learn to learn and keep learning and and to be responsive to the specifics of your employer.
1: Yeah, that's a great segue to my next question. What advice would you give to individuals looking to begin a career in a tech-related field such as the skills, abilities, lifelong learning that you've already talked about?
2: The first thing I would suggest to a a first-time job seeker in the technology uh, area, Charles, would be to think modestly, to look at an entry-level opportunity in whether it's customer service or data support, to get your foot in the door and to get to know the employer to make sure there's a good match between you and the employer. And what you're doing is then building experience and matching experience with the certifications uh, that hopefully you have acquired. You're now beginning to build Uh, a resume and a network that will really be able to almost follow in a stepping stone pattern. Our labor market is showing that uh, technology skills can can uh, become obsolete fairly quickly. And I'm thinking a matter of three to five years. So it's really going to be key to stay up on skills development uh, training. So many of us would might not even have known what cloud computing was even three to four to five years ago. And now you can see that that's becoming a dominant employer, even in the Northern Virginia region. Um, For those Uh, Job seekers that might have had some challenges with the criminal justice system, just be aware that most employers in the technology community will need to have and expect to have someone with a clean background um, that would be able to be eligible for a security clearance, typically with the federal government. And so if there's been challenges in your past that you want to rethink, there might be ways that you can use your technology skills and experience and expertise in non-governmental type positions. And that could be something that um, um, counselors from my, my organization, the Virginia Career Works, can help advise them on, or even those at the community college or four-year universities can, can help advise on. And then finally, uh, sometimes your strongest uh, opportunities are through your own individual network. And, um, and I know you've talked, Charles, about sharing so much of your information through LinkedIn and through other social media. And make sure that uh, your colleagues in those environments know that you have an opportunity, that you're looking for opportunities in technology. Maybe even they can help you in your networking and, and job, job search. You never know, who can introduce you to the next new opportunity. And we've seen that time and time again.
1: Now this is great, absolutely great information. Now we're going to just take a brief moment to hear a word from our sponsor.
0: You're listening to Your Future in Tech, brought to you by The Workforce Show on WERA 96.7 FM. You can find more episodes on SoundCloud, MixCloud, and iTunes. Hi, I'm Cynthia Guerin, the executive producer of The Workforce Show.
3: And I'm Charlie Ross, audio engineer.
0: So we're going to uh, get back into our regularly scheduled program in just a couple of minutes. But first, we're here to ask you to take a moment to make this program and others like it possible by making a gift of $25, $50, $100 or more. You can pledge your support by going to www warlingtonmedia.org or www.wera.fm or by calling 703-524-2388.
3: That's right. Listeners can directly support WERA's community producers by giving now. Their tax-deductible gifts will help provide Arlington and the surrounding area with the finest non-commercial talk and music radio in the region. Our members' generous pledges will go toward providing equipment and facilities that will help all of the more than 80 different shows that are currently on the schedule to continue.
0: Well, that's a lot of great radio for very little money. WERA's volunteer producers give their time and their effort to provide our community with the very finest non-commercial community radio found anywhere. With your help, they will be able to continue to provide Arlington and the surrounding areas with thoughtful, inclusive, innovative, and compelling radio content.
3: It's more important than ever to have a community radio station that features programs that celebrate our wonderful community and all the great people who are living and working here.
0: It's not media, it's community radio, a completely different thing. You see, it's amazing what happens when you get people out from behind their computer screen into a place where they work together to create content that doesn't just confirm people's biases and prejudices, but actually explores the issues that matter to them, that informs them and helps them.
3: So is that what they mean when they say that WERA builds communities?
0: Yes, that's exactly what they mean. Media doesn't have to be polarizing. It doesn't have to incite the worst in us. It can be uplifting and inspiring and thought-provoking. And that's what you find on WERA 96.7 FM.
3: You know, that's amazing. When you think about how much WERA's volunteer producers give to our community every day, But for them to keep giving to you, they need you to give to them because WERA isn't interrupted by commercials every two or three minutes. It's member supported. That means that you're a big part of WERA, Arlington's only radio station. And if you agree that it's a wonderful thing to have a radio station that's dedicated to serving and not dividing our community, then we're asking you to take a moment right now to support WERA. You can call 703-524-2388 and make a contribution over the phone or you can go to WERA.FM and do it online from your phone or computer. The easiest way to support the station is by becoming a sustaining member. You never have to worry about renewing your support. You just sign up and have your contribution automatically deducted from your credit card, and then forget about it. It takes just a few minutes to set up your sustaining membership on WERA.FM or by calling 703-524-2388. The sustaining membership is easier on your budget, and it keeps this station stronger by providing a steady stream of revenue throughout the year.
0: Thank you, everybody, and hope you, hope you uh, contribute and hope you find the programs useful.
1: We've discussed a lot during this interview, and I'm just really appreciative of you taking time out of your schedule to share with our listeners this valuable information about various educational and training programs that exist in our region. We're very fortunate, as you mentioned, to have a number of tech companies here in the Washington, D.C. area, Northern Virginia, Maryland, that are offering these career pathways to students, young adults, and others who are interested in working in the field. Um, We talked a lot so far about the job seeker, Tell me, what are the job, what are the actual employers saying to you? What are the one or two or three things that employers, you're constantly hearing from them about job seekers? Even with an individual with um, the appropriate technology skills, they're
2: always looking for someone with what, what is referred to in our business as soft skills. The ability for someone to carry on a conversation, to be able to listen and take creative and, and, and direct criticism, or even uh, suggestions for how to do things differently. It's things that typically is not taught in a classroom but individuals learn either through their own maturation process or through their interactions with their family and their parents but it's it's something that employers are saying more and more job seekers are coming to them maybe with not necessarily the refined level of soft skills that that maybe would be desirable That's and that, so that would be one thing that I would want your your listeners to be to be responsive to. Um, the second would be looking at the ability of combining the certifications acquired with the experience, with the actual job itself, and making sure that you're applying for a, a position that is well within your capabilities, but also would give you the growth opportunities as well. You
1: no, know, That's very important. And back to the point about the soft skills, what, type, what, what are some examples of ways that individuals can actually increase or enhance their soft skills if they're not employed currently already? I, I would say, in terms of any interview uh, practice
2: that you can have, I mean, again, you could uh, uh, attend one of our interview workshops at a at a Virginia Career Works uh, Center. Uh, they're all free of charge. It's an opportunity to um, even present your resume in a different manner. So th- th- some of that is in, in is in classic job search. Um, curriculas that uh, one can acquire. You might find certain books that would be able to help you um, b- have a better understanding of how to present oneself. It's amazing the number of um, resumes that are sent out without a cover letter. And uh, even with following up from an interview, uh, following up with a thank you note, these are these are steps that will set you apart from the other thousands of job seekers that don't even bother to uh, to go through that level of of taking those additional small steps. The other soft skills that that, that um, I would expect uh, an employer wants to see is communications, both verbal and written. Uh, the ability to be responsive, showing up to work on time is mm-hmm. such a key factor. <laughs> and then, of course, dressing the way that an employer might want, whether it's a, a business casual or it's a, in a more formal environment.
1: Yeah, because every organization is going to be different. I like the fact that you brought out that many of these skills that you're talking about aren't taught in the classroom. So it's very important to have mentors and other individuals and organizations like yours that individuals take, find ways to connect with so they can learn these skills before they get into the workforce. As we mentioned, it's very competitive. So the more that you can sort of get these things under your repertoire, the better chances you're going to have in being that candidate that's selected for that job. Well said. Well, that was awesome. Well, David, it's been great having you as a guest on the show. You've shared a lot of valuable information that I know will help my audience connect to a career in the tech industry. Thanks again for taking time to talk to us. And as I've mentioned before, I am your host, Charles Britt. And remember, with access to sufficient resources and knowledge, you too can have a future in tech.
0: Thank you for tuning in to The Workforce Show. This interview and others can be found at W-E-R-A.fm or at careercentralonline.com. Thank you for listening. Until the next time.